GM, GM, welcome to another episode of Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, and today Kyle is not with us, so I am joined by LG from the first Mint, and me and LG both believe that blockchain, crypto, AI, NFTs are all going to change the world. That's why we're here today carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. What's up, LG? Jay, you speak only facts, man. I do think it's going to change the world. And especially times like these, when uh, maybe fewer people are paying attention, the sentiment is down. These are the most important days when people are yeah. building things because the stuff that's being built now are the great ideas that are going to thrive in the next market and the one after that, right? So this is actually a great time to dig in. So, you know, I'm very happy to be here and always a pleasure to be on the show. So happy to have you back. Your third or fourth time on the show right now. You're quickly becoming one of our most uh, popular guests. So it's a <laughs> true honor. Ratings For those who don't every time LG's on the show. Yeah. The sponsors love it. <laughs> For those who don't know LG, he's the uh, founder of The First Mint, which is a leading podcast and newsletter and media company focused on sports in Web3. So one of the things we're going to dive into today is what's going on in the sports Web3 world. We're also going to talk about Blur, Lending, aka Blend. Great branding, by the way. We'll get into that. We're going to talk about PayPal, who owns Venmo, launching crypto transfers to all 60 million Venmo customers in the US. Goblin Town Season 2, Pudgy Penguins has launched something, Doodles launched something, Consensus just wrapped up. We're going to recap Consensus and so much more on today's show. We got a jam-packed show for you, but before we dive into all the news, it's always important to take a deep breath and show some gratitude. LG, what are you feeling grateful for today? Oh man, so many things, man. And especially in the spring when you're in mm. Canada, there are so many things like just walking outside in the morning. I'll say that today, you know, I go for a very important walk every morning before I do anything, even before I have coffee or anything. So the ability to do that walk and the the habit I've been able to build, I'm very grateful for that. And even today in the last couple of days, just the smell, Jay, the smell of spring. Mm -hmm. And it might sound so cheesy, but man, is that so different than the smell that you have like in the middle of the winter, which is like rain or snow. So I love that. Love the re rebirth of the spring. So just happy for the change of the seasons. Man, I feel you listening to you. I'm like, oh man, like, geez, pull your violin and just sing me a song. But it's so true. Every day right now, like the birds are chirping and I don't know if this is just us in Canada. I feel like anywhere in the world that has seasons, it's magical to see nature come alive. It also helps that you and I both kind of live in very rural areas where neither of us are in the city. And I imagine that most of our listeners are in urban areas. So we're lucky that we get to experience nature being right in front of it. They got birds and flowers in the city too, man. All right. This they they got that this there too. True. You just got to be careful. It's not the garbage. Birds are more aggressive in the city, man. They're coming after you. <laughs> like they're coming after your food. I was down in Vancouver recently and I saw a seagull pick up like an entire pizza. This seagull looked like the size of a small dog. Like I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a seagull carry around a giant bag of McDonald's in Vancouver. It was probably, it was probably the same one. And it just walked I'm around with it for a while. It didn't know what to do with it. Like clearly it was like too big of a score. I agree with you. But hey, listen, that stuff, you know, in the spring, it might look a little bit different. But I also think that at this time, you know, with the rebirth in the air, it's a great time to be building. It's a great time to be digging in. It's you get that feeling of, you know, anything's possible when, when the weather changes and 
you're feeling good and the days are longer. So I hope it's a good time. I hope people out there are thinking about what they can do in the space, things they want to build, people they want to connect with, because I think that right now is a fantastic time for it. OG, coming in with the inspiration and the motivation today. Well, we're, we're less than a year from the Bitcoin just... halving, man. We're Bitcoin <laughs> halving in a year. Okay. And then people are going to be like, I wish I bought more, you know, and it's going to pop off. People are going to freak out again. Right. So it's like now, now is the time to start building your little thing, your little idea that you have, whatever yeah. it is, get it out there and get out there in the world, get out there in web three, forget the AI trend, just ignore that. Just, there's still tons of potential here and oh, yeah. we need more people. We need more creative people, with great ideas to come into the space and do something. And Jay, you said something recently that, that I think is so true that this is, if you're a creative person, this is the most exciting industry in the world right now, you know, like to come into this and whatever idea you have, there's so many tools, so many great things that you can do listening to this. So even if it just makes one or two people get out there with their idea, I think it's more than worth it to, to spread that message. Before we get into it though, I just have a couple oh. of quick announcements. We had a great pro report come out. If you're a pro subscriber came out yesterday when you're listening to this all about ordinals. NFTs, NFTs on Bitcoin. Is it the future or is it just a fad? We want to make sure you guys are understanding what's going on there. And if it's something you should be paying attention to, is it just a hype cycle or is it something bigger than that? So make sure you go check out that report if you haven't already. And next week in pro, we've got a breakdown on the Adidas full Web3 from start to today, uh, what's going on there. So uh, that's going to be a great really a playbook style report that's going to give you the breakdown of every step that Adidas did, how they did it, and what's really led them to be so successful in their Web3 play, which has been awesome to see, very commendable, a really great project to follow. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to Web3 Academy Pro. Also subscribe to the newsletter. Three newsletters come out every week from us. So much going on, and that's the best way to stay on top of everything and to get new ideas and make sure that you're seeing the things that you might want to be spending your time on and building in the space, as LG said. But let's get into the show. Oh, one more thing. At the end of today's show, new little feature that I've added in. Every week, we're going to find a free mint for everybody. Free mints are just a great way for everybody to stay involved. I know this is a time when not many people are minting and buying NFTs because it's a bit scary in the NFT market right now. Although, oh gee, I'm sure you're still grabbing stuff, but you probably only about 5,000 other people. So free mints are great. And we got a free mint to tell you about actually about the King's coronation, King Charles, free mint for that. So we'll tell you about that. Stick around to the end of the show. So let's jump into it. But before we do, we just need to take a minute to hear from our sponsors who make the show possible. What if I told you that industry pioneers from flagship Web3 brands such as Consensus, Polygon, Binance, Unstoppable Domains, Ledger, and Uniswap will all meet up in one place this summer. You don't wanna miss this. I'm talking about the epic Web3 conference taking place in beautiful Lisbon on the 9th of June with over 20 curated talks, speed consultations with Web3 experts, networking sessions with investors, and even the opportunity to raise funds. This conference has it all and you'll get the tools you need to succeed in this industry. Plus, we at Web3 Academy will attend and host a community meetup with you and the others from our community before the main event. So come along, meet us, network, and start building alongside leading Web3 innovators. We can't wait to meet you. Remember, Lisbon, Portugal, 9th of June. We've got a 15% discount for you, but ticket prices go up every few days. So get your tickets today by using the link in the show notes. Enter the promo code WEB3ACADEMY15 to secure your spot. Or if you become a pro member, you can get an even bigger discount. So go pro today. And we'll see you in Lisbon, Portugal, the 9th of June at the Epic Web3 Conference. 
Welcome the back. In that ad, the music in that ad. Doesn't it just hit? I was just like, yes, I need, I so, need to go to Europe. You're right. Like, <laughs> you got to go get to, to Epic Europe. Web 3. And you know what? If you can't make it to Portugal, Epic Web 3 is also online. So grab an online ticket. It's coming up in just over a month. So it's going to be a great conference. And a lot of the Web 3 Academy team is going to be there. I won't be there because my baby is being born right around that time. So your baby doesn't like conferences? My baby doesn't like anything except for pooping, eating, and sleeping, I think. I mean, I don't know. I haven't met the guy yet, but that's my mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay, what I think. All right, let's jump into the news. First up, Blur has launched Lending. This is called Blend. Blur and Lending together. Great name. Well done, Blur. Great branding. And yeah, this is big. This is the first, well, not the first. There's actually a few other very popular Ben Dow and NFT Fi, but Blur has launched not just a lending, they've launched the protocol as well as the lending app. So look, these are the steps that are going to happen in the financialization of non-fungible digital assets. And right now, Blur had a big liquidity problem. The NFT market has a big liquidity problem because nobody's spending any money on NFTs right now because we're at the bottom of the bottom and there's a lot of fear in the market. And so I think that they launched this at this time as big part was to get some energy back into the market and to show people that you can buy NFTs without having to pay the full amount. You know, it's the equivalent of mortgaging a house. You know, you want to buy a $1 million house, you put 20% down, you pay 100000 and then the rest is in a loan. And actually 20% down would have been 200000 Messed up the math there. But you put the rest in a loan and then you pay the rest off over time. This is the natural evolution of the financialization part of NFTs. And this is obviously Blur's niche they are going after. They are trying to be the Bloomberg of NFTs, right? They're trying to be that one-stop shop where you can buy, you can lend, and you can do so much. What is unique and new about this with Blur is that the loans can be traded in the past on BenDAO and on NFTFi, you could get loans for your NFTs. You could get a loan for an NFT. You could buy an NFT on a loan, but there was no marketplace to trade those loans. So this is a new thing that very interesting. I mean, this is the stuff that's building for the long term when like institutions are going to start to come in. They're going to put NFTs on their balance sheet. They're going to want to use tools like this. Pro NFT traders, which is who Blur is going to want to go after or is going after, they'll be able to use this. And the other thing is, because this is all in the Blur ecosystem, it's like when Amazon launches something that some other companies are already doing, but now they bring it into Amazon. And because it's it within Amazon, it makes it so much easier and so many more people start doing it. Like if you think about it, if you're looking at buying an NFT and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy a doodle. Well, I could buy it for three ETH, which is I think the floor of doodles right now, roughly, or you could buy it for one ETH right now and pay back the rest later. Well, and you can see that right in front of you in the marketplace. That's pretty attractive versus like going to BenDAO or going to NFTFi. You have to go to another app and you have to connect wallet there and build a loan there. So I think this is a big moment for the space. My one thing I will say, and then LG, I'll let you jump in, is I also think this is a little bit scary because there's a lot of uneducated investors here who could be taking loans and not understanding what that means and 
they could get wrecked. I mean, I have so many thoughts. I think your housing analogy is really is a really fantastic one. And even to connect NFT loans and lending and the financialization of NFTs to the greater world implications, right? If you go back to like the subprime mortgage crisis from 15 years ago, imagine if every mortgage was on chain and people could see it, right? And then that way, you know, maybe you could have avoided something like that because then everybody can see what the loans are and whether they're good or bad and what that actually looks like, right? Versus it being kind of swept under the rug by the, the rating agencies. So I think that the idea of NFTs being things that you lend and that people can see and that you can buy other people's loans and all that kind of stuff and other people's positions, I think long-term, that's a great idea. Obviously right now, these are not houses. They are things like doodles and moonbirds and apes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, darker side, scarier side. Blur has been very predatory in the way that they've approached the market, right? And I still, I'm still on the fence as to whether it's good or bad, but for the last four or five months, 60, 60 to 70% of NFT trading has been blur wash trading, right? Where people can farm their token. They keep extending that deadline. Every time the deadline comes along, they introduce some new tool for people to keep using the site to do really risky degen things. And some people are getting wrecked and some people are doing well, I guess, or spending thousands and thousands, thousands of ETH, millions of dollars just trying to farm this token. Inevitably, you know, this platform is stealing a lot of volume and a lot of users from OpenSea and the other marketplaces. But at the same time, it's incentivizing a behavior that I think a lot of us who are not aggressive pro traders are not really into. We're kind of like, you know, we want to hold NFTs. We want them to develop. We want them to become cool companies like Doodles and Moonbirds that are building mm. interesting, cool consumer applications. So I think, you know, we're a little bit on the outside in terms of being part of this and wondering if it's a good or a bad thing for it to incentivize such degen activity, if you'll call mm-hmm. it, such immature mm-hmm. trading. And yeah, some people might get totally wrecked on this and mm-hmm. that'll be another bad look for NFTs, which is kind of the last thing we need right now. <laughs> no kidding. We built a Dune dashboard to take a look at the numbers here so far. This isn't in the Dune dashboard, but just to give you an idea of the NFT lending ecosystem. So there's about 425 million total value locked in the NFT lending ecosystem as a whole, as using all of the different applications that allow you to. There's about 21 protocols that have been built and 16 of them are on Ethereum. And it's the 14th biggest category in crypto measured by total value lock. So this is a large category. There is a lot of loans. There's a lot of financialization happening here. With Blend itself, over 16,000 ETH has been borrowed to date. Now that's only from 462 unique wallets. So there's only a very small number of people that are taking out these loans, but a lot of ETH has been borrowed. So yeah, we'll see. I think Clearly, as you said, Blur is amazing at keeping their market engaged and giving them a reason to come back. And whether it's farming tokens for their airdrop or it's using Blend. Now, they have not announced whether Blend will lead to rewards in Blur tokens, but my guess is that it will. The other take that I have on this is leverage leads to more volatility. So one of the challenges that I think we're going to see, I thought we were at the NFT bottom and we actually recorded a show that comes out next week uh, with Gavin Purcell from Overpriced JPEG talking about like, are we at the bottom for NFTs? Like, I believe we've already passed the bottom for crypto and NFTs lag. And so we're questioning, are we at the bottom? And then we saw this announcement and I was like, ooh, I don't know, because what does leverage do? Leverage leads people to take riskier positions. And when they take a riskier position, what that does is it increases 
on both ends, the upside and the downside. So when things are going really well, you see everything goes higher because people are pushing it higher because they're taking bigger risks or spending more money. There's more money flowing in, right? More liquidity. On the downside though, when everything's going bad, you can see things go even lower because people can take risky positions that they can't cover as things drop and we can see floors go even lower. So this is the challenging thing about being in this space and kudos to anybody that is still here. If you're still listening to this, you know something the rest of the world doesn't know, you're doing great, stick around. This pain will be worth it. But because there is this financialization of all these assets, there is a big part of this that is very difficult to predict and it's going to lead a lot of our floors and a lot of our prices to be very volatile for the foreseeable future, which is which is stressful. So are you predicting a, a good or a bad NFT spring here? Are we, is it NFT spring or is it NFT winter coming up? Great question. I think that we are still in NFT winter. I'm not predicting NFT spring yet. You? I'm of the same thinking. I think these things take time and I think the market is, is still going to trade sideways for quite a while in terms of the broader crypto market. I think, you know, listen, like people bought some really expensive crypto kitties, even when crypto kitties were at the bottom and those never rebounded. So, mm. you know, I'm not the biggest Gary V fan, but I do believe what he said that 99% of projects will go to zero. I do think that that's true. So I don't think you can really look at NFTs the same as you can look at an Ether or Bitcoin where it's like, yes, like yeah. those are the assets that will, when the market comes back, that's what everyone's going to buy. Maybe a handful in a, of NFT collections will be something that are like, you know, the staples of the space in the next run and, and beyond that. But I think that those are few and far between right now. So I think even the idea of like, this is the NFT bottom, perhaps in terms of NFT volume, yes. But in terms of a lot of these projects, like they're at the bottom and soon they're going to bounce back to all time highs. I don't think that that's true. Mm -hmm. This is a good point. Some of the bottom will be zero. A bunch, maybe 99%, the bottom will be zero. Maybe it is 99%. It's a high percentage. I mean, there's a lot of projects. So, a lot so of projects. 5% is still quite a lot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, you go to OpenSea or whatever you use and you look at top all time volume of NFTs, right? Most of them are new collections. The only one on there that is from the past is CryptoPunks, right? From the past cycle. Mm -hmm. All of them are from the new cycle. Mm -hmm. And even just look at the top 100 and, and like go down that list. Like some of those projects are already what you would consider like irrelevant in a way, mm -hmm. like projects that you have never talked about or will never talk about again. So NFTs as a whole, as an industry, very bullish long-term. Bottom in terms of volume and sentiment, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also in terms of application, like we're so, we're so basic in the way that we think of what NFTs can be still, I think, in the ways that they're applied so far. So, you know, I hope in the future, there's many more applications for them. All right, next up, let's talk about Venmo. Let's talk about some good stuff that's coming into this yeah. space. So Venmo has launched crypto transfers to 60 million users in the United States. This is huge. Venmo is the cash app basically in the US. It's how you transfer money to your friends and your family members in the US. It's got 60 million users. It was purchased by PayPal about 10 years ago. And PayPal has been leaning into crypto fairly heavily and slowly allowing more and more crypto things to happen within PayPal. And here's Venmo jumping on board. Now, why is this a big deal? I think the main reason this is a big deal is because this is getting crypto in front of a lot of people who don't use it and actually a lot of people who don't trust it. Recent study showed in the US that two thirds of Americans don't trust crypto. 
tough to blame them based upon all the FTX and the things that have happened over the last year that have just been awful for the space. So those people need to see crypto next to brands that they do trust like PayPal and Venmo. And they also need to be educated on crypto because I can guarantee you they're not going out and learning how to download MetaMask or learning how to onboard into the space. They're staying away from it. So what Venmo has done as part of this integration is right within the app, you can learn about crypto. So it's not just allowing you to use crypto. You can also learn because of educational resources in the app. So from a bit of negative news to some great positive news to see this getting traction in such a big way. I think this is absolutely fantastic. I think the more crypto can be integrated as a payment option anywhere, especially in native apps that people have been used that use every single day. I think that's a huge win because even the concept of, hey, do you trust crypto to me is a little bit silly. Like, okay, that question is so skewed because you're basically asking like, hey, you saw the headlines. Do you trust those people? That's like asking people like, do you trust banks? I guarantee yes. it's the same amount, if not more people that are like, no, <laughs> of course not. 100%. And I heard somewhere recently that if you tried to sell if you tried to sell fiat money and banks as a concept today, as like something that people have to adopt, nobody would want it, <laughs> right? That'd be like, no, uh, uh, I don't want, what do you mean? Take all my money and go give it to some like booth. And then like these insane degenerate gamblers at the top, just gamble it all the way and, yeah. and mess up the whole economy. No way would people want that, right? So I always laugh at those types of statistics, but inevitably, you know, I don't think crypto is really being sold the right way of just like buy some Bitcoin. It's so important, like blah, 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 blah. Like that's silly to sell it that way. I think this is how you get it into people's hands is show them the application, right? That this is something that's easy to transfer and apps like Venmo that already make money really easy are so, so, so vital to pushing that forward and making that really easy for people if they do want to dabble to get some and to use it and whatever. And even though, Jay, in, in Canada, we don't have Venmo, we do have apps like ShakePay and other stuff like that that also make it easy. Like ShakePay has a debit card that I can pay with mm -hmm. in the grocery store and I can just convert my, my Ether Bitcoin to fiat to pay for that. So I'm a big fan of anywhere where I can integrate, own a little crypto, but also use it when I want to. Well, and Venmo processed almost 250 billion dollars in fiat in 2022. So they're a massive payment processor. If that can just, a small slice of that turns into crypto, that's a big deal for the space. Now, one thing to note is as with every launch, especially with like an existing brand like Venmo, the big existing brands, when they roll out crypto, they always do it slowly and they do it in a phased approach. And so this isn't giving access to all forms of crypto, like all currencies. It's only a few currencies. I think it's Bitcoin, Litecoin, ETH, and one more I can't remember right now. So it doesn't include stable coins. And stable coins, I think when you think about transferring money to friends and family or buying coffee or groceries, stable coins is what makes the most sense for that use case. And so Venmo hasn't said that they're going to go in that direction. But I think you and I both know that that's where they're going to go. And that's when I think we're going to see massive onboarding, not so much in the US, but around the world. We're already seeing this where there's currencies around the world that inflate like crazy. You have a lot of issues with currencies because if you live in a emerging economy, your currency, whether it inflates or whether it's difficult to get your currency from the bank or whether your government has a lot of policy on how to manage that currency, well, you'd rather have stable coins. So that's where I really get excited about this is when 
like when can I go to Starbucks and buy something using stable coins? That's yes. huge. I have a, a very quick, quick story for you. Two years ago, almost two years ago, at the first minute, we threw a party in a metaverse called Crypto Voxels, which is a very early metaverse. And we had 300 people attend. It was like a nighttime party. It was a scavenger hunt. It was super fun. And we rented uh, Crypto Voxels. You can own all the plots of land. And this, we rented this one building from a guy. It was his art gallery. And we had a party on the rooftop and he set up the whole building for us, like decorated first mint and hosted it for us and did a walkthrough for everybody at the party. It was this really nice artist guy named Otis in Brazil. And I had to pay him for doing it. Like I hired him to do it. And I don't know, it was like maybe six or 700 bucks US and paying him took me 30 seconds. It cost me 45 cents to send him that money. And I was like, in what other situation could I send money to someone across the world that quickly, that easily without going through some kind of payment, you know, money mark solution or whatever, like that would take insane fees. That was one of the big moments for me. I was like, whoa, this is, yeah. this is way better than whatever else we're doing. And especially that he accepts that currency. That was so important to me. So yeah, very big believer in stable coins and and what that can unlock in terms of um, just international commerce. All right, next up, I wanna jump into three stories sort of at once, and that's Goblin Town, Pudgy Penguins, and Doodles. I wanna talk about all three stories at once because these are three leading NFT projects that started as NFT projects. I hate calling them NFT projects, but they started as that. They're businesses. And these are three that when we talk about what they're doing, all three of them, they're shipping new products, they're shipping new things, they're grabbing attention, mostly from the Web3 native ecosystem, but they're preparing for the onboarding of millions, billions over the next decade. And I think that these three projects, when you look at what they're doing, they are showing that some of the biggest companies in the world in the next 10 years, I believe are gonna be these internet native companies. These companies that have IP that they have created online and they are masters at taking that IP and then creating engaging experiences, creating fun games, something around that IP. So let's talk first about Goblin Town because I think this is the one that you and I were most excited about. Yeah. So Goblin Town lo launched season two this week and season two is called Big Inc. And Big Inc. is Big Business Inc. It's the, the label for every horrible corporation out there. And basically what they are trying to do is they're trying to find the 1,000 NFT traders who have lost the most amount of money. And if you are one of those 1,000 NFT traders, you will get a chance to get their next mint, their Goblin Town season two collection. So they've got this big board up on their website. Let me just pull it up here so we can take a look. First, they show the collections that are down. And I always, this makes me cringe because the collection that is down the most is my collection, Moonburst, 94% <laughs> from an all-time high of 40 ETH, almost 40 ETH, down to two and a half ETH. Yeah, it hurts real bad. But if we look at the board here, for those listening on the show. So we got the board up here and you can see the leader right now has lost $11 million. There's several people who have lost millions of dollars. I got to say, it makes me feel a lot better about the money that I have lost in this space. And one more thing that's really cool about this is Goblin Town launched the McGoblin Burglar was their generation two NFT. And that 
collection has basically fallen off the map. There's very low volume on trading that collection now. The floor is super low. So I think what they did was they saw that and they were like, okay, we got to burn that collection. So they haven't announced this yet, but my guess is that if you have a McGoblin burger, that you are going to be able to burn that NFT in order to get a new NFT as part of this big ink collection. And this burn mechanism, it's incredible. I'm, I'm obsessed with this concept of I can give anybody some digital asset and then in the future, I can encourage them to come back with that digital asset and burn it. It's exactly what we saw with VFriends and Snoop Dogg that's happening right now where you can burn your VCon ticket from 2022 and you get an NFT celebrating Snoop Dogg and Gary Vee's new song. There's so much to unpack here and so many exciting things happening, but really amazing to see them using mint and burn two concepts that i think can really power brands in the future dude listen to the words you just said so you could burn an nft to get gary v and snoop dogg's new song that's web three right now that's that's the reality <laughs> we're in i also want to point out that slots five and six on this leaderboard are both former first mint podcast guests shout out to wades wades actually started a top shot podcast at the same time that i did so we know, know each other quite well and dingling one of the most prolific nft traders somebody who's bought tens of millions, $50 million worth of, of NFTs and started buying their NFTs on Top Shot back almost two years ago also has been on the show. So I know the worst traders. <laughs> That's <laughs> the flex. Uh, you know who the worst traders are? My friends. I know them. Shout out to them. Jay, I did this thing and I rank only 2,700. So I'm not going to be making the top top thousand, unfortunately. It's a strange thing in NFTs right now. That's how down bad we are is that it's, if you're not on this list, you don't have much street cred. Like that's, that's the world we live in. It's like <laughs> you haven't experienced as much sadness as everyone else. So, you know, you don't count, but no, I love this concept. I love what you said at the start about being these native web three internet storytellers. This to me is the true potential of NFTs, web three, all that kind of stuff is people that are going to tell token native stories within the internet right? It's not just, hey, let's adapt what we've done in Web 2 and put it into Web 3. These guys are purely creating value that's in the internet and telling stories that way, becoming a brand that is known for really weird, interesting things. Goblin Town was so bizarre last year and so unique. Mm -hmm. Right at the start of the bear market, people are like, I can't believe these goblins are running up so high and they're running these Twitter spaces where they're just making weird noises for hours. That was insane, but it was, it was like, that's <laughs> but what that's culture and that's community yes. and people are so into it. Absolutely. And I went through this whole thing for Big Ink. Like I watched the video, the Star Wars kind of like, it's like yeah. how Star Wars movie starts with kind of like the text scroll. And I love what they're doing. I love that they're finding a way to reinvent themselves. I think one of the best businesses you could start right now, Jay, is like a creative story studio in the space. Just go out and do really strange things. Go out and do really weird, wacky things that don't necessarily pocket you tons of money but if anything just are something fun that people are going to latch onto and, and get your name out there i think that's one of the best businesses you could start right now so kudos to truth labs for you know hitting another home run here totally and i think what people don't realize is that doing this is does not cost very much money right so like because it's all digital you can create nfts and it's not going to cost you much. I mean, maybe you need an artist if you want the NFTs to be art. So, okay, you got to pay an artist. You need somebody to write some smart contract code for you. Although you could probably use one of the tools that's out there like Bueno that makes it pretty simple or Manifold. So this is a low cost way to build a community, 
and build a brand. This is why it's so hard to predict who's going to make it in NFTs, because as you said, 99% of these will fail long-term, but there's going to be a few companies that make it out of NFTs that become, I believe, some of the biggest IP brands in the world because all of the younger generation, all they do is spend time in Roblox. All they do is spend time in Minecraft. All they do is spend time online. They spend money online, buying skins, buying different things that they can use in these games. And they're not in Web3 yet, but they are coming. And when they come, they'll be looking to put their dollars and more importantly, put their eyeballs and their attention on the most fun things that are happening. And here's Goblin Town showing Truth Labs, the team behind Goblin Town, showing that they can do that. I've always said, and I feel like a lot of us have said this, that the real game breaker application for crypto for Web3 is living in like a 15-year-old's brain right now. And they don't even know that they're going to be. But think about like Zuckerberg, right? Is like for Facebook, mm -hmm. like that's a really good example that it's like it was yeah. just some nerd trying to build something weird and cool and, and you know, trying to figure out who's single or whatever it was, whatever the motivation yeah. was that it's like, you know, one of these young people is going to come along and build something that makes so much sense for their peers that that's what's going to break it. And these types of projects will inspire those types of people to do very bizarre things and, and just try and do something that doesn't exist, not try and follow other people's footsteps, just make something weird and fun. Totally, totally. So on that note, I want to talk quickly about Pudgy Penguins and Doodles and what they're doing. So Pudgy Penguins has teased a new collection called The Workbench. Maybe it's not even a collection. Honestly, nobody really knows what it is, but it's a super cool website that when you go to, it's got this like cartoon sketch of a workbench and it shows a like a book in, in the middle that's open with like drawings of it as if somebody's like sketching out what they're going to build on the workbench. And it looks like they're building a pudgy penguin with a bear hat is what it looks like they're building. And then you have a, a countdown timer in the corner that shows something is happening in three days and three hours from now. You can click around and there's different clues. So like, this is just so fun. I don't do enough fun digital things right now. Like I think mm. all of us, where we have fun is still TV and it's still content. It's not engaging stuff, right? We don't have enough fun on websites where we can collect things and engage and build something and do something like, and then own it. That doesn't exist yet in the capacity that it will exist in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you in terms of like making something engaging. I do think that, you know, everyone talks about Web3 gaming and how that's the future. I think the permutation of that is not like, hey, it's going to be Fortnite and we're all as adults, you know, we're all going to play Fortnite now and it's going to be a Web3 version. Like that's not going to happen. I think it is going to be fun, weird little games. Again, like yeah. a fun website, something you interact with, an app that's way deeper than other stuff you do, but that at the end of the day, you need to go spend 10 minutes on it every day. You're just addicted. And I think this kind of stuff is a, is a step in the right direction. Between Penguins and Doodles, which we're going to talk about in a second, like their leading, leading assets are the art, right? They're really mm -hmm. fun, friendly, safe art. And it's something that a lot of people, and especially parents, Jay, can, you know, would see themselves sharing with their children, which is also mm -hmm. really vital to what we just said of like getting young people into it not just to spend their money, but just to be into this new wave of the internet. I think that these types of projects are absolutely the leaders when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up casual gaming. This was a really interesting thing I heard. So Daniel Allegre, who's the new CEO of Yuga Labs, 
who right. came from uh, Activision that he came from. Thanks. Chief of Ops. He was a COO, I think. Yeah. And everybody celebrated that. And I mean, it's super exciting. And he spoke recently uh, for the first time publicly at Consensus and did a private event with Overpriced JPEGs, who's a good friend of the show. And he talked about how really casual gaming is a huge part of their plans. That's because, as you said, I think when we all think about games, we expect these like massive games, right? We expect like the next GTA or the next Fortnite. But really, what is a huge part of the gaming sector is these like Candy Crush games that we play for 10 minutes a day on our phone. And that is a big part. I mean, look at Dookie Dash, right? Look how successful that was. And that wasn't some massive metaverse game. That was a very simple, fun little game that you got to play. So yeah, I think that you bring up a really good point about casual gaming. I think that is the future. Okay, let's jump into Doodles. Last week was last Friday. They launched the studio, studio with two O's. Their next play is it's an extension of Doodles 2, where you can come in and it's a full designer system where you can build your own doodle. You can put a hat on it. You can put whatever clothes you want on it. You can make it whatever color you want, and then you can mint it. Now, I don't actually think that you can mint them yet. I think right now it's just in beta for people to go in and play around and make these different characters, but eventually you will be able to mint them. And look, Doodle's play has always been to be the next Disney and to try to take this fun character to millions of family members and kids. Can you see a whole bunch of people coming on and like making a character? And then I guess they use it as their PFP. What Goblin Town is doing and what Pudgy Penguins is doing gets me more excited than what Doodles is doing right now. Yeah, I have really mixed feelings on Doodles, man. I think their leadership is to me is a little strange. They've had some mishaps in the past to give you the, the negative thoughts or the pessimist in me is that it's like, I think that they have announced a lot, but have done very little. This whole thing with Pharrell, that's almost a year old. I was at the party in at NFT NYC when they announced like, hey, we're launching a music thing with Pharrell and here's a video of Pharrell. And then since then they've posted one photo of them in a room with Pharrell talking and that's it. That's the only thing we've seen at all. So, and again, a year or less than a year is not a lot of time to develop something like that. But to me, they do a lot of like, hey, we're good. we're announcing this thing and so and so, but it doesn't necessarily yield results. I'm very curious about their like wearables, avatar builder, whatever that is. I don't know if there's currently much application for it. I don't know who this is being built for. If it's being built for us, the NFT market, or if it's being built for the commoner market, for the normies to come into NFTs. Most recently, one of their founders said that Doodles is no longer an NFT project. So <laughs> I feel like they are in that transition point right now. Ultimately, like I think that their art is so beautiful. It's so good. It's it's so attractive. They have a studio, they're working with a studio called Golden Wolf that I think they acquired that did this animation for the announcement. The animation is awesome. Clearly to me, Doodles has the potential to be a really awesome IP to, I don't know, be the next Disney, but definitely be the next SpongeBob or something like that to go create shows with this style and sure, let people own the NFTs, but to make merch, whatever that is, whether they go and do that, whether that's what they're actually trying to do, I'm not sure. CEO they brought on, speaking, you know, we're talking about the guy that Yuga brought on. The guy they brought on was the CEO of Billboard which yes, is a big music brand, but it's not like he came in and built it from the ground up. So I think that there's a bit of like, what are his priorities with the brand right now? And, and how do they kind of scale to mass adoption? 
those are still some of the big questions for me despite this announcement. I love the getting the real talk from LG. You know, having followed the project, I'm a former holder. We've had them on the show in the past. Those are my questions still. And again, that's a really hard question to answer of like, what's the road to mass adoption? Nobody's cracked that yet. They're mm-hmm. one of the projects that could do it. I just don't know what their plan is to try and do it. I agree. I have similar feelings. Okay, let's jump into consensus. This is one of the biggest annual conferences in this space and probably one of the most well-rounded conferences in that it brings together all the different areas of Web3, which there is so many different areas of Web3. So this year, despite bear market, market volatility, down bad, everyone feeling bad, there's 15,000 attendees there this year. So that's really great to see that people are still showing up as they should be. I mean, now is the time to build. A couple of highlights. First, there was a ton of government officials there speaking about regulation. The commissioner of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading was there. One of the congressmen, McHenry, was there. He's the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. And he actually said that they will be putting together legislation to oversee the crypto sector in the next two months. I'm a little bit surprised that he's making, I mean, politicians can kind of say whatever they want. I'll be impressed if that comes out in the next two months, but they are doing public hearings starting this month in May. And all these politicians that are at these conferences, they get it, right? And the main thing that you keep hearing from them is that they recognize that other jurisdictions are ahead of the US. You know, you look at Mika that just launched in, or sorry, didn't launch, but was passed in the EU, which is allowing clear regulation of crypto in the EU. And you should look at Japan and United Arab Emirates and Hong Kong and the UK. They're all pushing forward on their crypto policies and their crypto regulations, making clarity, which is allowing builders to build and the US is falling behind. So I think positive angle on regulation and that it seems like there's going to be some good stuff coming. And by good stuff, I just mean clarity. Just give us some damn clarity and tell us what you want to regulate this as so that people can move forward confidently. I was not at the conference. (laughs) That's all I have to say. The other thing I I want to talk about at the conference, which you will have stuff to say on, is desk token. So as part of consensus, there is a token that they have called Death Token that they launched last year at the last event that is a way to increase engagement at the conference. And I think this is incredible when you consider any event, whether it be a sports event, whether it be a conference, whether it be a art event, any event, and whether it be physical in-person or metaverse virtual based, this opportunity to have a token as part of your event And as a way to encourage engagement is huge. So let me tell you what Consensus did. Consensus has this desk token, which is a fungible token. And basically, you can earn desk token by completing things at Consensus. So if you go to a certain session and you scan a QR code, you get desk token. When you registered for the conference, just by showing up day one and registering, you got desk token. If you go to certain booths in their exhibition hall, you can collect desk token. So it's sort of like mini quests that you have to complete and it ensures that you're pushing traffic and you're moving people around your event and you're getting them to engage in all the different things that you have to do. And then once they get desk token, 
The other thing that Consensus did that was pretty cool was you could go to a booth and you could transfer your digital desk token into physical tokens, which were like literally like they looked like poker chips. And then you could go redeem those poker chips. They had actual monetary value. You could go redeem them for, you know, food and merch at the conference. So really interesting to see them using these fungible tokens as a way to create engagement at the conference. What do you think about this, LG? I love that, you know, and we spoke about this earlier as well, that I, I always see one of the potentials for Web3 is for people to use tokens as like a, when you go to an arcade, right? Like a two-token system where you buy tokens to play the games and then you get tickets and you buy prizes and any real-life events that can start to leverage that, I think is a huge win. Yeah, I completely agree. I can just see wherever you are, sporting event or anything, there's just huge potential for tokens to be, and it's fun. Like people love earning stuff and I would way rather get fungible tokens in my wallet that I can then trade or sell at the end if I don't use them, then what you get right now, like I was thinking when you go to a carnival and you get like those printed little tickets and then you lose them, you don't spend them all, you don't even really understand their value. Let's make that a way better system, which is what we can do. Okay, next up, LG, you are the sports master, the sports <laughs> web career master. So Sports Illustrated announced basically a NFT ticketing platform. They've had their own ticketing platform for a few years now that they've been helping events make tickets and, and doing sport events and whatever else. But they have announced something called Box Office, which is going to be kind of like a self-custodial NFT minting platform where you, even you, Jay, or anybody else can show up and just make NFT tickets of your event. You'll have a lot of benefits that you can attach to it. You can token gate things, add little benefits, whatever. And they've also released another feature called Big Ticket, which I think is their brand offering, which is going to be like something you can use where you can then get like a soda coupon or whatever. So very similar to Consensus, where you're going to get all these benefits from owning your digital ticket. To give you context on the ticketing industry, and we've talked about this as a huge use of, of NFTs that may come in the future, Ticketmaster alone sells over 500 million tickets every single year. So this is absolutely a place for any brand really to kind of try and bite into. And what I love the most about this, Jay, is that we've seen a lot of different magazine brands reinvent themselves in Web3. We have a Time, we have National Geographic, we have Playboy, so many different brands try and come in. And now you have Sports Illustrated literally pivoting the nature of what Sports Illustrated is from a magazine we used to read every week to maybe something, a platform where you get your ticket for your next event or you make tickets for your next event. So that that's one story, Sports Illustrated launching that. And then the other one is LeBron's partnership with Artifact. And I, I hesitate to even call it a partnership, but as you know, Artifact is part of Nike. They were acquired by Nike two years ago. And LeBron is probably Nike's biggest current athlete, currently active athlete, of course. And a lot of people have wondered for a long time when these two would intersect. And some of the artifact brass the other day posted photos of themselves onboarding LeBron, like giving him an infinite object display of artifact and giving him some merch and stuff like that. So now uh, on his way to the game the other night, he was wearing an artifact branded shoe, Nike shoe, which is really cool. Uh, great to see him finally get into that. If this was the bull market, the artifact floor price would have tripled, but it's a fair <laughs> market. So it didn't really move, but it doesn't mean that it's not a cool thing. It's just the market right now. And a quick reminder that LeBron in the past a year ago has registered several metaverse trademarks, including LeBron James, King James, 
chosen one, as well as strive for greatness, all of those trademarks being registered so he could eventually sell uh, digital merch, digital basketball courts, all that type of stuff. The fun thing, Jay, I don't know if you wanted to incorporate this, has nothing to do with NFT, <laughs> but it does have to do with sports. And if you watch the NHL, Jay, I don't know if you are a Maple Leafs fan, but I definitely am as, as a Canadian and, uh, and a Canadian from Toronto. But the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, they won their first playoff round in over 19 years the other day, but ironically, there's this one fan who shows up to all their games, always wearing the opposing team's jerseys. So we have a troll in chief among Leaf fans here who always shows up wearing the other team's jerseys and always cheering for the other team. This guy maybe belongs in Web3, man. We have a lot of really hilarious trolls in the space. So this guy should take his talents to the NFT streets because uh, this guy's pretty funny. He should go work at Truth Labs. I'm in a group chat with a bunch of sports fans in Toronto. and We, we talk about sports mostly. And one guy was like, oh, that's Irv. And so he knows this guy. Apparently this guy is the biggest ticket broker in Toronto. So not only is he chief troll, he's chief scalper, which I have so many negative opinions about scalpers. I just do not like them at all. I think they're leeching off of what other people's hard work is doing. But he, so he lives in Toronto and he hates the Leafs and he goes to every game with his daughter. This is hilarious that he does it with his daughter and wears the opposite team's jersey. I mean, what a funny story to see. Okay, I just want to go back to SI and box office for a quick second mm -hmm. because I do think that, as you said, NFT tickets are huge. We saw Ticketmaster do something with Avenged Sevenfold. What was that, like maybe a month ago? What I didn't realize from what Ticketmaster did with Avenged Sevenfold was so Avenge Sevenfold is I think it's ten thousand collection. They have an NFT collection where you get access to their club basically, and as part of being access to their club, they wanted to give tickets to upcoming concerts to their club owners, their NFT holders first, right? Now their American tour is sold by Ticketmaster, so they went to Ticketmaster and said they wanted to do this, and Ticketmaster turned around and was like we will build you something. So I didn't know this. Ticketmaster built something that they're calling Ticket Pass, where basically if you are an artist that has an NFT collection, you can now use Ticket Pass to token gate access to purchase tickets on Ticketmaster. The ticket itself is not an NFT. It's just token gated access to buy tickets. But like that's huge. The Ticketmaster was the ones that were like, yeah, we want to build this. We see this as the future. I agree. And, you know, Ticketmaster has mixed reviews in terms of the general sentiment yeah. <laughs> around what they do. But, you know, inevitably, no matter the feeling of the institution, it's, it's good to see them take a bite out of this. And I think Ticketmaster realized that it's not that hard to build this kind of stuff so that if they didn't do it, one of their competitors would and that they'd fall behind. So I think it's, it's a necessary corporate strategy for them to be doing this and good to see them leading and good to see other brands kind of throwing their hat in the ring too. All right, we got some more coming up. We got Michelin doing some stuff, Sotheby's doing some stuff, and we got a free NFT mint to tell you about. Yep. But before we get to that, we're just going to take a minute to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or the profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, 
and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Welcome back. It is time for the DAO of the month. This month, the winner is Metrics DAO with over 60% of the votes and suggested by our community member Harvesto Orlando. Shout out to at Harvesto12 in Discord. Now, let me tell you a little about Metrics DAO. Metrics DAO is a DAO for Web3 analytics. They provide on demand data to empower organizations. Now, obviously, this is critical for Web3. This is what all of us are so excited about is using all this on-chain data to ensure that we can create more engaging experiences with our customers. And Metrics DAO is really focused on that. Their goal is to build an analytics marketplace that's open and adaptable so that anyone can access and use on-chain data without facing unnecessary obstacles. So shout out. These are the builders that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, LG. These are the people that we need. And shout out to anybody that's doing it in a DAO. I personally cannot imagine the challenges of working in a DAO. I have enough challenges trying to coordinate with a small team of 10 people. So good for you if you're doing it. DAOs are the future. I just don't know how to do it quite yet, but it's awesome to see. All right, let's jump into some quick hits. LG, hit me up. So, Jay, Lens launches Momoka, an optimistic L3 scaling solution. So, Lens has launched a layer three, and they've done this to hyperscale data on Lens because basically, Lens is trying to be the social media layer of Web3. Everybody knows Lens is one of our sponsors, they're good friends of the show, and they're also really one of the best building teams in the space they're doing such amazing things and what's really amazing about them is that they're focused on building protocols and infrastructure they're trying to be that base layer and what they realize is in order for social media to scale on chain we need very fast transaction speeds and we need them to be very inexpensive so we need layer threes and in order for that to work basically here's the breakdown if Ethereum is the baseline security layer, which is Lens is built on top of Polygon, which is built on top of Ethereum, then Polygon is the layer for profiles, for your network, and for the tokenization of content. And then Momoka, which is this new layer three, is the layer for social actions. That's the layer that stores liking and commenting and any engagement within the ecosystem. So shout out to Lens keeping the, just shipping all the time. This is the type of thing that's not going to get celebrated very much and not many people are going to talk about Momoka, but these are the infrastructure improvements that pave the way for master user adoption in the next bull run. Next up, Michelin. The Michelin Man is launching the Michelin Explorers Club, an exclusive NFT collection. So this is going to be a 5,000-piece collection that's basically like providing access to exclusive experiences via Michelin, which you might think, like, a lot of people know Michelin a lot of different ways. Most of them know just the tires. And But what's funny is that if you've ever heard of Michelin Star Restaurants, which is pretty much like the leading 
designation for restaurants, right? It's very, very fancy to have a Michelin star restaurant. Vancouver just got its first Michelin star restaurant. I think the first one in Canada recently. So it's a very, very prestigious thing. Michelin is also the company behind those. And basically they started that a long time ago to encourage people to travel around and go see new places, hopefully driving with their tires. So what's funny is that Michelin is also this kind of premium brand, despite being something that you use as your tires. This is their first foray into Web3 and basically them trying to show that they want to create new experience for their customers. And the, and the NFTs come with a, a variety of benefits. They're going to be access to exclusive experiences. There's like different galas you can attend, things where you, you can go and, and eat with top chefs. And even I think there's somewhere in there that there's this going to be the 100th anniversary of the 24 hours of Le Mans and that you can win like an exclusive experience via owning one of the NFTs, not by just holding one, but you know, there's going to be like a lottery system where one person or a few people get to go to that and take part in the exclusive experience. So that's pretty cool. Like, and, and doing mm -hmm. their holders, hopefully this goes mainly to people that are actual fans, I guess, of the brand or of Michelin star restaurants or whatever that is, but they're kind of tying together, you know, fine dining racing and just generally web three into into one little package here so pretty sweet i think it's also i just got to add one quick thing that i think is so they haven't actually launched the nfts yet they're saying they're going to and their first step to do that is they've launched just a twitter account and i think this is just a great first step if you're an existing enterprise existing brand and you want to get into web three make a new twitter account that focuses on your web three part and we've seen many companies do this launch that twitter account and just have that be step one. They also launched a Discord. Whether or not you should launch a Discord all depends upon if you want to manage that. But that's great. Build a community first and then give the NFT to that community. Couldn't agree more. Do you want to go to the next one? Sotheby's launches an NFT marketplace for premier art. Jay, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so Sotheby's is one of the largest auction houses in the world. They've been embracing Web3 the whole time. And they're launching an NFT marketplace that'll be curated by Sotheby's focused on really the premium digital art. So if you're an art collector and you want to buy high quality art and you don't want to go to OpenSea because you don't know, you know what is good art and what's not great art, you go to Sotheby's marketplace where they've curated what they believe is the best art. And I think that they have their beliefs are probably pretty valid because they've spent over a hundred years curating the top art. And here they are, they're now offering it through a marketplace. The marketplace is going to have Ethereum and Polygon projects on it. And yeah, I think this is just a win for art as really a top use case for NFTs and for blockchain, which I think we all get that one. That's probably one of the first use cases that we've seen that's actually done well. And also, just another signal to the fact that we're going to have millions of NFT marketplaces in the future because there's going to be so many niche marketplaces that are focused on the many different types of NFTs that there are because it can't just be one NFT marketplace when there's going to be billions of NFTs that do different things, right? There will be a marketplace for tickets. There will be a marketplace for memberships and passes. There will be a marketplace for events. There will be a marketplace for art. There's going to be a marketplace for who knows what else. So yeah, awesome to see. Next up, CoinMarketCap is launching a Shark Tank-like TV show. <laughs> We've seen this done a few times in crypto, and I'm always a huge fan of it. So basically, they're working with an entertainment company called Hello Labs, and it's going to be a reality TV-style show called Killer Whales, obviously inspired by 
Shark Tank. And it's basically the exact same thing. Like people with Web3 ideas are going to pitch them to different entrepreneurs, influencers, founders, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what kind of format this is going to take. I don't know if you have more information, Jay. Like, is this going to be like shot in person? Like Shark Tank is going to be digital online. There's been various uh, versions of this idea. Applications are actually open now. Filming begins in June. So I love this. And also, like we're saying, like kind of the theme of our conversation so far, Jay, too, is that it's like a great time to launch ideas right? Another great company you could have is like a VC fund of some kind. So very keen to see what kind of concepts get put on there. This might be what appeals to the masses, Jay, right? Is less so, mm-hmm. hey, come by the doodles and the, the pudgy penguins of the world, but more so let's watch people on TV pitch really weird crypto ideas. Like people might be really into that. Any new idea works and CoinMarketCap, who's running it, they're like a staple of the space in terms of being like a coin tracking site, like that lists mm-hmm. every different currency that there is that you can use for analytics. So very, very cool to see. Last one, take us through the free NFT of the week, Jay, for King Charles. Yeah, so King Charles the Third, his coronation is coming up this weekend. And Trevor Jones, who's a Canadian-born artist who lives in Scotland now, he's in his 50s, and he's a very well-respected, he's a painter, actually, is his background. But he has jumped into NFTs. He actually, I think, has a record for the largest open edition mint in terms of usd volume he did a open edition mint back in the bull run that had did over three million dollars in volume from his art and he's obviously living in scotland he's a big fan of the united kingdom and he wants to celebrate the coronation of king charles so he is doing a free open edition mint of a piece of art that he created it's over on nifty gateway we'll put the link in the show notes And if you mint it, then he's going to pick a certain number. I believe it's 400 people who mint the open edition will be selected. And those people will be airdropped another piece of art that he's creating that's going to be a limited, I think it's a 400 collection. It's always fun to get free NFTs and always fun to celebrate King Charles. Although, I don't know, the queen was so cool and I was so impressed with her and King Charles just seems like such a dweeb. Just pass it on to William at this point. Like, bring in the next monarchy. Like, let's go. With King Charles is going to be king for like, what, like five to 10 years? How, I don't know. That's like in his 80s. Oh, man. Wow. What a diss. Who knows? Yeah. We might be surprised by King Charles, but hey, I watched The Crown. All right. I watched all five seasons. And uh, if that's accurate at all, then yeah, he's he's a big weirdo. So yeah, I don't know. But whatever, man. They're going to have to change the money in Canada. So at least we're going to get some new bills. We have the queen on on our 20s. So at least we'll get a new person. We're going to get a new bill. (laughs) <laughs> Great. Anyways, yeah, go King Charles. I already got the free NFT, by the way. It was pretty easy, so highly recommend it. I love free NFTs. I'm, I'm very into free NFTs. Everybody get free NFTs whenever you can. For sure. Don't expect them to give you to make you money. Don't buy them because you're making yeah. money. Go get them because it gets you into the space. You get to experience. You get to participate. As we said, I think the theme for today's show is now is the time to build the next Facebook, the next Amazon, the next Netflix. They're being built right now. And you have a chance to build something big if you're out there building. And the best way to be building is first to participate, right? Because that's how you learn. You see what's going on and free NFTs are just the easiest way to participate. I love it. Absolutely. That's a wrap, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in. LG, so great to have you on the show again. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely get you back again in about a month or something like that. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Get out there. Smell those fresh flowers if there's spring where you are. 
Enjoy yourself. Thanks so much for listening in, everybody. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.